You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Exciting news. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode, uh, photography-related episode today. I am on the call with Mike Mizzoul. Did I say that right? Yeah, man. Yes, Let's got go. It. So happy Nailed about it. that. Nailed it. Awesome. Um, Mike, obviously, you're a, you're a phenomenal photographer. Um, for everyone listening, at Mike Mez Photo, I think it is, right, on Instagram? Um, yep. amazing feed on Instagram, uh, a lot of storm photography, which us Oklahomans love to see a lot of sunsets, a lot of crazy tornadoes. And, and recently obviously you were down and, and in the mix, basically down in Medill, right? You had a pretty crazy experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the 22nd of April we were down there. It was a pretty wild day, a little bit, uh, devastating. You know, it's not necessarily what you want to see, sure. but, um, you know, from the nature side of it, beautiful tornado. And glad to hear that, you know, things, things could have been a lot worse down there. Yeah, so, definitely. So how, you know, tell me a little bit how you grew up and then how, obviously, you know, you, your kind of relate relation to Oklahoma and how all that fits in and, and just how you got into photography as well. Yeah. And so I'm actually originally from upstate New York. Um, so we moved down here. Uh, my father was in the Air Force. We moved down to Fort Worth um, when I was really young. And storms in New York are nothing like what is down here in the Plains. Um, And I remember hearing like the first thunderstorm and I was in my very awesome glow-in-the-dark Ghostbusters pajamas hiding underneath my parents' bed, just like trembling because I'd never heard thunder like that before. Right. so I was terrified and, you know, still am to this day, believe it or not, a little scared of these storms. Um, but over the years, I kind of grew into, hey, you know what? The sky is pretty cool. There's a lot going on above our heads that we don't see. Yeah. And so I was eventually became that kid at recess. I would like, instead of playing on the monkey bars, I'd be laying on the picnic table, like just awkwardly staring at the clouds. And um, when I turned 15, uh, my interest for the sky and photography started becoming intertwined. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of people ask me how I got into photography. And it's, uh, my, my, my mother hates the story. My, my parents hate the story for, and you'll understand why in a second here. But when I was 15, you know, when you're 15, you kind of think, all right, maybe I'll get my learner's permit or maybe I'll get a, uh, you know, a, a cheap car or something sure. to, to cruise around town and start learning how to drive. And my 15th birthday came and throughout the day, there was like nothing different than any other day, no happy birthday, nothing. And then my mother asked me, uh, when she was getting ready for dinner, she's like, hey, is there anything you want for dinner tonight? And I was like, well, let's go out. It's my birthday. And my mother's like, well, five foot nothing Italian woman. Her eyes like lit up and she just quickly, oh, and just shuffled off yeah. and vanished into her bedroom. And about 15 minutes later, my parents came out and they came out with this black leather case and they're like, happy birthday. And I was like, that's not a car. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I opened it up and it was my dad's 
Yashika film camera from 1975. Okay. And I had no interest whatsoever in photography at that time. Never picked up a camera, never even thought about it. And, you know, as a 15-year-old, you know, you're kind of like, well, this gift sucks. You know, right. like, All right, yeah. this isn't what I was hoping for. But my dad said something very important that had, that, that just got everything started. And he said, this is my camera for us in the Air Force. I have no idea how to use it, so maybe you can. Yeah. And as soon as he said, I have no idea how to use it, my dad and I have always been a little competitive. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to use this. And so I went around, and this is film, you know, it's not digital where you right. get that synchronization, you know, you have to actually know your stuff or it gets expensive. And around, and I, of course, didn't have a car. So I, I photographed very manly things uh, that I, like that were around my parents' house, like, you know, ladybugs and flowers in their garden and stuff like that. But I took down with each uh, frame notes on this little yellow notepad of like what setting my settings were, what the conditions were. And I had no idea what all the numbers on the camera meant. Um, but then I would save up my, my money and get, um, get my film developed at the very prestigious Ecker drugstore. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and, and I was still too poor. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it the same day. So I had to wait like a couple of days for the film to come back. And, uh, and I learned that way. And then, yeah. You know, I kind of started thinking, all right, well, you know what? There's not much I can go and drive, you know, walk to around here where I live. So my parents had a two-story house. What if I go around and I take out all the screens on their upper level and I photograph these storms that we get and all the lightning as they come towards my parents' house? And that, I have boxes of film or, or, or uh, 35 millimeter prints now that show like, all the lightning and the storms that my parents would get and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, that's how I learned. And then finally, when I got my car, I'm like, peace, I'm out. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to chase storms. I'm hit the road. I'm going to go find some storms. And, uh, and so, yeah, I kind of tied the two together. And ever since then it's, it's grown from, you know, not only storms, but, um, I do a lot of volcanoes and also landscapes all around the world. So yeah, cause that's kind of like the yeah. nutshell of how everything came to be. If you scroll through your Instagram feed and you just like, this is like some of the best experiences you must have had, you know, and obviously you're behind the camera and capturing these moments. And it's, I'm sure, super intense for you at that moment because you're like, I don't want to miss out on this, right? Like it's not from, you know, from a photographer's perspective, sometimes you may have 10, 15 seconds to capture that moment. But like when you get it and you see those images, like that's incredible, right? And you've been all around the world because of it. Yeah, you know, this is this is not a job that I ever in a million years would have thought I had. Yeah. I would have a career. Like I actually have an undergraduate uh, undergrad degree in um, criminal justice. I was going law enforcement, and then um, I realized I was doing that career for somebody else, not for me. Yeah, and then I went and I got a master's degree in strategic communications. And now I travel around the world teaching photography <laughs> and uh, doing different assignment work. So, yeah, I mean, I would never trade those experiences for anything else because right. they made me who I am today. But it does hurt a little bit when you pay the student loans for something oh, you're yeah. like not necessarily using. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, my job now is I, I teach all around the world. And then, uh, you know, I'll do different assignment work for different publications. Um and that is just extremely cool. And, you know, it's not the best paying job by any means, mm -hmm. um, but I would never trade it to sit in an office and making, you know, yeah. the big bucks and missing out on these awesome life experiences. Right. So. Yeah.
And actually, you know, I don't know if anybody can see this, but on my left arm, I have the latitude and longitude of uh, where I first saw the Northern Lights. But on my right arm is where I documented Kilauea erupting. So basically the coolest thing wow. you can ever see at your feet, the coolest thing you ever see above your head. So yeah, the memories that have come with this, uh, these opportunities have been incredible. Yeah. So, so where, where did you, like, you know, you get that camera and, and yeah, you're still taking photos and, and taking photos of weather, but so where... Where do you go to school? And like, you know, I know you said you were doing it for somebody else, but I'm sure that you still just had to decide to go to school, right? So where and why did you yeah. choose where you went? So actually, I uh, originally started off going to OU. Okay. Um, and I was doing atmospheric science. And, you know, when uh, when that all came about, you kind of, you know, you're, you'd be very passionate about something. But you also have to understand you still need to make a living. And it's very hard with the amount of money that you put in towards that degree mm -hmm. to make a living after student and all that um, from what you get out of it. So I decided, hey, you know, I took some atmospheric science classes, um, but then I decided to come back down to Texas and pay the in-state tuition, which was much cheaper and, right. and go that route. But um, with the, the storm chasing stuff, you know, I have, I have taken atmospheric science classes over the years and what was most important for my growth in that learning how to safely chase and understand the atmospheres. Um, the, the first probably three, four years I started chasing, I chased with another guy who had been chasing for about 30 years. Okay. So he was kind of my mentor and, and showed me the ropes and all that stuff because there's, there's no way I would ever go out there just without any knowledge of the weather, especially like I said, what, what we get here in the plains, like right. it's all, it could kill you. So yeah, what? Uh, kind of I guess what was that first kind of like chasing, legit chasing experience like? Uh, so I, uh, a lot of people don't understand with chasing. There's a lot of driving and there's a sure. lot of boring time. It's not like Twister where right. everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's excitement galore. You know, what was it like inside the tornado? I'm like, no, I sat at a Dairy Queen for about seven hours <laughs> waiting for, you know the blue skies to get clouds so I don't get, you know, a sunburn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, the first chasing experience I had the first chases with his name was Ken and he's unfortunately he's passed, he passed away a few years ago, but, um, with Ken, you know, we didn't really get the big storms, the big outbreaks. Right. Uh, you know, so it was nice. It was actually kind of relaxing. You know, he kind of eased me into it. It was like, okay, you know, Hey, here's, this kind of storm, here's this kind of storm, here's this kind of storm in this environment and so on and so on. But on May 29th, 2004, up in uh, Kansas, near Anthony, Kansas, that's when we, that's when I got my first like real storm chasing experience. We, we saw 13 tornadoes in one day up there. And wow. uh, it was, it was a whole roller coaster of, this is amazing versus holy crap versus should I, something is, wrong with me um versus i want to get closer um so yeah it, it was a definite roller coaster of emotions um to see not only the supercell but these tornadoes that were just so incredibly powerful and beautiful but yet also something that inside you're like i should be scared of this right um it, and, and, you know, it's funny because, you know, I've seen a lot of storms, a lot of tornadoes since then. And every tornado is pretty much the same emotionally because, 
you know, it, it's like I said earlier, I'm still a little scared because I feel like if you're not scared, you don't respect what you're looking at. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just so wild because it's, it's beautiful. It's frightening. It's stressful at times. It's ex- exhilarating. Yeah. Sometimes you drive all the way from Dallas to Wichita, Kansas, you get a Dairy Queen and you turn around and come home and <laughs> you wonder why you just did that. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's pretty awesome what you can see out there. So how many miles are on the car right now? <laughs> we are at 63,600 um, and it's three years old. So <laughs> not, not, not too bad. That's not too bad. Not too bad. I've already put... I've already put on uh, four thousand miles in the past few weeks, just yeah. chasing. So, yeah. and then, like I said, but, your uh, your your season right for chasing is you know it's what end of like early March to to June ish. Yeah, it's you know it's it varies each year, and you know with everything that's kind of going on, the climate being kind of wonky at times. It's uh, really, yeah, March through June. Uh, I saw a beautiful tornado last year on the 4th of July up in Wyoming. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of that time frame. But really May and early June, especially where we're at, it, it, it's, you know, I mean, you know how it is. It's, oh, yeah. It's have a plan and, and kind of keep your eyes to the sky uh, kind of time of year. Yeah. So for the other months, like that's when you schedule out, you know, traveling trips and, and you know, that's when I guess you're, you're traveling the world looking, you know, on assignments and people are sending you around the world stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I typically, uh, I'm self-employed. Uh, so that's kind of nice to have that freedom. Mm-hmm. Um I take off pretty much April, May, and early June uh, to chase. And then the rest of the year, uh, like this year, um, before all the craziness that's going sure. on, uh, this year, oh, you still there? Sorry, yeah, absolutely, I lost yeah. There. Okay. Uh, this year, it's uh, been like February was, I was in the Arctic Circle in Northern Norway and then down in Death Valley right after that. And then mm-hmm. uh, I'll go to Glacier National Park in June. And then August is going to be down in Tonga. So uh, then September is Iceland. October is back up to South Dakota for Badlands. So it's all over. And then this year is the first time I'm actually getting to go to uh, Antarctica. That'll be down in November or uh, December. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a whirlwind after after storm season. You know, it makes you wonder why you pay rent, but yeah, it's still a right. place to live. Yeah, it's not, it sounds awful. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, it's it's funny because everybody's like, "Oh, I want your job," and I'm like, "It's it's fantastic," but like, I think last year was 56 flights. Uh, so it, it you know it's pros and cons. You know, yeah. the grass is always greener on the other side. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But what there. was what was that first kind of paid? you know, travel out, out of, uh, you know, out, out of the state. Like, what was that like? And where was it too? Uh, it was, it was a little nerve wracking. Uh, it was to Iceland. So, uh, with, with that, like, it was actually pretty funny how it came about because I had an image that went viral and, uh, it got seen all over the world, which is really cool. And then I got an email from this guy. I, I kid you not. His name is Thor. <laughs> like or the god of thunder and when i when i got the email it said you know he introduced himself and he said uh hey I, I live in iceland i teach photography in iceland would you like to come teach with me and i was like 
let me think about that. Uh, yeah. Like, hold yeah. on a second. And, and so like, I agreed to it and I was like, he's like, Hey, come on out. Um, you know, let's set a day for you to come out. I'll show you around the country and get you familiarized with it. And then we'll, we'll schedule, you know, some classes. And I was like, you know what, me, maybe I should Skype this guy first. I have no idea who he is. Like this guy could be like some mass murderer, like, you know, all right, let's, let's Skype. So I Skyped him. And when it first connected, it was very choppy because where he lives in Iceland, he's literally out like the middle of nowhere. Right. And so the connection's not that great. And so it froze on his face and he, he's this bald guy, big old Viking beard. And it froze on him in like the meanest of faces, like, like the, I'm going to murder you in your sleep face. Yeah. And I was like, Oh gosh. And I like closed it out. I was like, man, this is, this is probably a really bad idea. And I was like, I can't like, I can't not call him back. Like that's not me. So I called him back and I was totally going to like be like, Hey, yeah, you know, I thought about it. Not going to, you know, I have to pass. And then it comes through and it's really choppy again. And all of a sudden, like, it finally comes through in like a, a good connection. And he's like, Oh, hello. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, this guy's like the kindest guy ever. Like just so down to earth, give you the shirt off his back. Yeah. And so we had a great conversation. I went out there, met him, showed me around and uh, we hit it off. Really good friends. He's actually come out to the States. He came out last year to come storm chasing with me. And, uh, but yeah, the first experience out there was really cool to, you know, get out there and, you know, it was nerve wracking in a way because I was like, man, I really hope I don't need a visa or like all my work stuff's in order over here. But to finally get out there and know everything was good and to get to, to teach the participants, the class, like how to photograph the Aurora Borealis and how to, you know, hike up here to this awesome view of this incredible waterfall. Like I, I remember taking some time during that workshop and just kind of like pinching myself and be like, this is my job. Like, yeah, this, how, how did I, how did this come to be? And like, how am I so blessed to have like this as my career? Um, yeah. and then, so I've been back to Iceland six times now and started, uh, I've taught now in Norway, I've taught in Canada, uh, down to Patagonia and Chile and Argentina. And so it just keeps expanding. It's yeah. A, what, a, um, cool. what, what was that picture that went viral? Uh, so it's funny cause I actually hate the picture. <laughs> um, <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, I, I, so like for photography, like I, I love to capture something that's true. Like I don't like to Photoshop. I don't oh. like to create something. It wasn't, uh, but there's a lunar eclipse and I was like, you know, everybody's going to go out there and shoot uh, a, a photo up close to the moon and right. they're all going to look like, so how do I make this look different? So I went out and I photographed uh, each moon phase uh, throughout the entire like eight hour or nine hour span of the whole transition and composited. I, it was, it was shot over blue bonnets. So the scene is true, but then I composited all the moons sure. together so you can see the whole sequence. And uh, and it went viral. I had like, uh, gosh, like 600,000 shares or something like that. Wow. Um, and yeah, I like I said, it, it's cool that it went viral. It really is. I just, I'm not a huge fan. Sure. And I was very transparent with my audience. Hey, this is a composite. You know, this is what it, you know, looked like over time. Uh, yeah. But I'm I'm all for the the real and the factual images. So, yeah. but it's still cool. And I, you know, I did I did three more of them just because they were so popular. Um, but yeah, it's, it was it was a cool fun image. Yeah, so. and that was like your kind of like 
social media has just said to you, welcome to the scene. And now, and now you've, yeah. you know, all the rest has kind of gone from that moment. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Cause, uh, so I've had, so like I said, a couple of images that went viral and that one went viral and that was the one that was a composite. And I literally said in the caption, this is a composite. This is not a real image. Mm-hmm. And then I had another image that I shot on, uh, Kilauea when, uh, when Kilauea was erupting and I got the lava, Mars, Venus, the moon, meridian flare on the Milky Way, all one shot. And it is one shot. It is not Photoshopped. It's true as anything. I've done a whole blog right up on it, showed people the out of camera image and people are like, Oh, there's no way this could be real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, thanks. <laughs> uh, so the real image on social media is getting crapped for being quote unquote fake. Yeah. And the fake image, people are like, Oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Welcome uh, to social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No joke. Yeah. No joke. Gosh. So what, like, so you've, yeah, I mean, seeing a volcano for the first time erupt like what's that experience like uh it's butt puckering i don't yeah. know if there's any better way to put it Com- compared to a tornado is it like i mean i know it's not moving but yeah it's completely different it's so hard to compare yeah um so the first time i saw lava like actually flowing and in, in, in kilauea erupting was back in 2016 and i hiked out it took 13 miles round trip to hike out to the poly where mm-hmm. the lava was coming from um coming from the vents up there and i i didn't looking back on it it was not the wisest choice because i i didn't have the knowledge i had asked several people who have been on the volcano before for their tips but i didn't have a mask with me um for sulfur dioxide which is like lava when you when you get on a volcano you realize lava is like the least of your worries like you're worrying about explosions you're worrying about sulfur dioxide gas you're worried about parts of this uh where lava tubes were falling and caving in under your feet and uh so yeah i got out there and and when i uh when i asked a few people who'd been out before i'm like is lava hard to see and like yeah in the daytime it is kind of hard to see it can be kind of silvery uh, but you'll know when you found it and I was like, I don't know what that means. And like, you'll know. And I remember when I finally came across, I turned this corner and the heat was just unbearable. And I was like, oh, this is it. Yeah. And there were sure enough multiple flows of lava coming down the poly. And they all sounded like Rice Krispies coming down, uh, which oddly made you very hungry. Um, but it was the coolest thing to see. I, and all those oh crap moments all the way out there were so worth it. Mm-hmm. And then you had a bunch of oh crap moments on the way back because everything was pitch black. But that time that you actually got to spend with the lava was, was really cool. But I did photograph Kilauea again erupting in 2018 when it was the big eruption in sure. Leilani Estates. Um, and that was a completely different field. That was a completely different type of eruption, um, very violent eruption. Uh, you know, you're seeing people... It's kind of like a tornado. I could relate it in that way. Yeah, You see a tornado over an open field. It's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, but the moment it starts hitting a town and you start seeing people's lives get destroyed and property and, and possibly, you know, people being killed, uh, completely different field. So with Kilauea erupting in 2018 and went through Leilani Estates, which is a huge neighborhood destroyed over, I think it was 800 homes. And so literally I covered it by land, sea and air and yeah. seeing, you know, it from land and from the air, you know, literally just 
engulfing people's homes, you have a different feel for it. Right. Uh, still beautiful from, from the natural aspect. It's still beautiful, but internally you have a little bit of, uh, a heavier heart for what you're seeing. Yeah, definitely. And that, was that kind of just a personal thing out there, like personal trip or was that, uh, you know, paid gig? No, that was on assignment for National Geographic Spain. Okay. Uh, so I went out there, did two two trips out there. Um, the first was at the end of May, and then I went back out there at the end of June. Yeah. Uh, because the eruption lasted. The eruption actually started two years ago yesterday. Okay. Uh, and it lasted from May through, I believe, mid-August. So wow. it was quite the, quite the eruption. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but pretty pretty wild experience. Is that kind of how most of them are? Like they're through the National Geographic, wherever they may be. Uh, it, uh sorry, one more time. Like with the with the paid gigs that you have, like with the with the travel yeah. and the weather ones, are they through like a kind of like a National Geographic affiliate like that? Like how is the how's all that work? Um, so it's it could be through multiple publications. Like I've worked with multiples over the years, so yeah. like. I've worked with National Geographic a couple of times just doing uh, contract work for them uh, or image licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with BBC Magazine, um, Yahoo, Weather Channel. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, I do a lot of work with Nikon. Uh, so I do a lot of um, either projects or speaking engagements for them. So, uh, yeah, it's a variety. Um, yeah. You know, in this industry you have to kind of wear multiple hats and not just rely on like one outlet or one publication for all your work. Yeah. Or if you do, you're not going to make sure it's, it comes few and far. Sure. Is there any places, I know you mentioned you're going to get to go to Antarctica this year. Is there any other places that you haven't been to yet? That's really on the list. Uh, Tonga. So I'm going, going to Tonga in August. Fingers crossed. Yeah. With all what's going on. Um, we'll be out there for 11 days and documenting the humpback whale migration from underwater. Wow. So I'll be doing, okay. uh, I'll be out there each day swimming with the whales and documenting their migration and their breeding. Um, and so that I'm looking forward to. And I've always had a fascination with whales, like ever since like Free Willy with a you know, Oh yeah, a kid. of course. Yeah. Uh, so like, this is something that like I have been looking so forward to. Wow. Okay. And like, I mean, everything, like, it's not just like, you know, you take pictures of, of like a night sky with a moon and then you're underwater. Like there's so many different things that you're taking photos of, which is really cool to know the difference and how you'd like, you know, just from someone who's getting into photography, like the hand, the ways they handle the camera and everything else. Like it's pretty impressive stuff. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. You know, it's, you gotta have fun. Um, and, you know, for me, fun is finding different angles to cover different subjects. Like a, a lot of people don't know this, but um, I shot NHL and Major League Baseball for five years. Oh, um, nice. So I did that for, for five years. Uh, I did some journalism work, uh, journalistic work as well. Uh, I still to this day cover live concerts. So like I've gotten to cover quite a few, like over three, 400 bands from that. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you have to find different ways mm-hmm. to uh, to survive as a photographer on different subjects. You know, not saying shoot everything. There are definitely things I don't like to shoot and I won't shoot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like trying to always dip your toes into a little bit different subject or finding a different creative angle. That's I think that's the fun part about it. Yeah. So, is there is there one thing that you haven't shot that you really want to shoot? Like a different like a subject or just a 
topic or something like that? Um, man, that's, that's a hard question. There's so much. Actually. Right. Well, <laughs> just, uh, just the, the amount of stuff that you've covered, like, the, is there anything that you're like, oh, I haven't had the chance to do that yet. I'd love to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'd love to get out to, uh, to Africa to, to cover some of the wildlife out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's been done. Obviously there's, there's a lot that hasn't been done or sorry, yeah. a lot that has been done. Um, but it'd still be like a little personal bucket list sure. to get out there. Yeah. Um, there is, you know, I, I'm fascinated with volcanoes now, so I want to start, uh, exploring more of the active volcanoes once it's safe again to travel. Yeah. So, um, there's like the Yazer volcano, which is down, um, in Vanuatu, which is kind of near New Zealand. Um, there's the Fuego volcano in Guatemala, which I was actually supposed to go document in March, but, um, couldn't make it down there. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think in the future it's going to be more volcanoes and, uh, yeah. and trying to just show the beauty with the nose, just like with storms. Yeah. For me, like I, I'm a huge car fan. So like my kind of two favorite photographers that I look at Larry Chen, who's like one of the best okay, car yeah. photographers. And then there's another lady I'm, I'm from the UK. So there's a lady back home called Amy Shaw. She shoots Nikon as well. Um, and she's just got in, she was a wedding photographer and just started taking photos of cars and she's really, really good at it. Um, Nice. I'll uh, I'll send you those later just to see so you yeah, can see them. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's also like so many things you can do and just you know me getting I got my camera right here so you know it little, there you go so it's ready to go and um, yeah just getting out taking photos and and I think the one thing that I've taken away is you just got to go do it right. Yeah, that's that's the thing is is the photos not gonna, the image isn't going to come to you. Um, you have to get out there. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because like with Kilauea, the, the latest eruption in 2018, I was so on the edge because I was like, this is so different than anything I've ever dealt with. Um, you know, this is, this is extremely dangerous. And I think I drove my girlfriend nuts because I was like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm going to go. And then she finally pulled me aside one day and she's like, you've got the opportunity to go. You've got the opportunity to do it for a publication you're going yeah. like she almost literally booked this ticket for me and yeah when i got out there i was so glad that i went and right. you know got that opportunity but had i sat there and just kind of you know all right I'll, you know i'll wait for something to happen here mm-hmm. now you got you got to be ambitious you got to go you got to go where the images are yeah so yeah definitely and i guess with the uh, with storm season now kind of in full swing and i think today in oklahoma we've probably got some hail coming in um you know, and obviously a recent experience that you had, and, and I read, you know, the comment that you posted with that amazing rainbow photo that you caught of the Medill. You know, sadly, the, the you know the the two people passed during that you know during that tornado, and that's that's the yeah. bad side of of the destruction of these things. Um, and if anybody wants to read, you know, Mike's post, I'll, you know, I'll share a link to his Instagram, and you can read what happened. But it's times like that, I guess, that really like open your eyes a little bit, don't you? It's like, oh, this is great, this is cool, but people actually still get hurt. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You go out there, you want to see the beauty that nature has, but then you also have to be ready to accept what the power that Mm -hmm. she has and what you're going to see. And, you know, for me, and I know uh, quite a few chasers, um, you know, we our, our chase ends when we come across something like that. Yeah, like we're we're not gonna keep chasing. Like you know, we um, tried 
to uh, help the guy that was that we came across. Um, and uh, kind of kind of quick side note, um, I found out two days ago he actually survived. Oh, he was amazing! Pronounced dead at the scene. Yeah, but I guess he was revived, and but he's currently down here in Plano at a hospital. He's he's still in intensive care. Oh man, but okay, that was That's great. Yeah. really nice to hear um, because we had thought otherwise. Sure, um, but you know our chase stops, and you know we try to help as many people as possible, um, whether it's you know just emotionally talking to them and like you know making sure hey you know like you know don't worry helps on the way or pulling people out of the rubble yeah. or you know. We have first aid kits, CPR kits, stuff like that with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know, ideally, tornado goes through a beautiful green field and you get sure. a you know a rainbow and a unicorn off in the distance, and you call it a day. But you also have to be willing to see and accepting uh, yeah. to see that you know you yeah. may witness something a little bit more uh, dramatic than that. Yeah. What is I have a, a couple a friend of mine last year spent the spent last year's storm season doing a documentary with. Um, couple of the news nine up here a val and amy castor they 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 spent matt Payne. his name is he's a travel photographer and he spent a, you know the the whole basically three or four weeks with them and he said the craziest part about out chasing storms is the fact that it's not the storm itself it's the idiots the way he put it chasing who have no idea what they're doing blocking all the roads and getting in the way it's like they almost crashed the truck more times than they got hit by any storms so. Yeah, it, it's become a, a, a problem. I've been chasing now for it's been twenty years, um, and it, it's uh, you know back in you know two thousand four. If you ran into somebody else on the storm, you're like, "Cool, what are you doing out here?" Yeah. Like, "Hey, high five! Like, how you been?" Like, right. you know, this I'm is not the cool. only one. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're you know I'm more scared of the amount of people out there than the actual tornado or the storm because running into you know new york city style traffic jams in the middle of western kansas and you're getting people that are thinking they're above the law and running stop signs and i've seen people out there running red and blue lights it's like there's some sort of emergency official and you know uh blocking roads like you said and like you know not paying attention and and not having that weather know-how or weather sense to where you know there's a lot of scary looking clouds out there but, you know, you're, you, I see people all the time looking that way when, when really the tornado is behind them wrapped in rain and they have no idea. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of opt out of the bigger storms or the, uh, the bigger storm days because of that now. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll go to like, you know, you can say, hey, Oklahoma City, go here or see a tornado. That's the kind of day it's going to be. Or you can say, I'm going to go down to southwest Oklahoma. You may or may not see a tornado. But if you do see a storm down there, you're probably going to have it all to yourself because everybody else is up in OKC. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I plan my, my my days now is, you know, I first look at what the main target is and like, all right, how many people are going to be out there? Right. Because for me, it's the tornado. Tornado's icing on the cake. If I see a pretty storm or some cool features on the storm or something that's visually appealing, that that's a win. Yeah. Um, if I see a tornado, I'm like, oh, cool. All right. That's nice, too. But yeah. You know, there's so much more to storms that that are photographically um, rewarding. Yeah. Than just the tornado. Well, so. I get, what's storm? Have you done much storm chasing in Europe and overseas? No, uh, not on purpose. Uh, so <laughs> fair enough. Not 
Yeah, not on purpose. No, I, I haven't actually. I know that Germany and Italy get some beautiful storms, but right. I have yet to actually spend some time over there for. Mm-hmm. Awesome. One day. Yeah, Maybe oh, yeah. once I can get on a plane safely again. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. maybe maybe flights will be cheaper we'll see maybe not right <laughs> uh, but no mate this is uh, I really appreciate your time this has been awesome to share you know share some of your stories and, and to have some time with you uh, you know wish uh, wish you all the best for the rest of the storm season safe travels and um, if you're ever up in this way up in Yukon and stop in for a coffee let me know you're always welcome so absolutely man I'll, I appreciate um, the opportunity yeah no, no doubt I'll post everybody's Instagram uh, sorry post your link the link to your Instagram and everything below on your website. And then um, hopefully this recording of this call has been pretty good so we can make a YouTube video out of it. Awesome, <laughs> we man. will find out. But, may really appreciate your time and uh, all the best for the rest of the storm season and then safe travels. Hope you get to go to uh, go to Tonga and stuff. So, Awesome, man. Well, thank you, dude. Man, I appreciate the opportunity. You guys stay safe. And if you ever, uh, ever want to ride shotgun, let me know. I need somebody to hold a big steel pole out for the lightning photos, all right? I would, yeah, <laughs> right. I'd love that, except the steel but, uh, pole. Yeah, well, I'll have to get you out there. Keep in touch, man. Awesome. Look forward to it. Thanks, mate. This podcast was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who've been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.